Anyways, um, we're going to talk about something uh, that is, we're going through a misconception series, and we're talking about suffering. And I know that is a big topic, and I hope Jesus will speak through it. So uh, we're going to have um, my friend Lydia come up and share the verses uh, that we're going to talk about tonight. So everyone get up, give it up for Lydia. Um, Isaiah 53, 3 through 6. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one of whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. And we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Thank you, Lydia. Woohoo! So uh, we're going to look at these extraordinary verses a little bit later on. But for now, we're going uh, to look at this. Many of us have had this thought. If God were so good, why does suffering exist? But what if we turn this question around and said this? How have I made God suffer? Tonight, we're going to look at these questions, among many more, with three points. The suffering of man, the suffering of God, and the suffering for Jesus, suffering of Jesus for all of man. All right, so we're going to pray real quick, and we're going to get into it. Oh, Jesus, help me to speak your, your words of wisdom, your words of comfort, and your words of truth. Help me, Holy Spirit. May you dwell within me, may you speak your words, and may the words echo into the hearts of these great men and women, Lord. May they know that you are there with them. God be with them. Holy Spirit be with me tonight. Amen. Amen. All right. So I'm going to ask for a little bit of audience participation. So here we go. If you've experienced suffering, we're going to ask you to raise your hands. So... Who has experienced suffering in their life? That's unanimous. All right. Here we go. Another one. If you've been gossiped about, raise your hand. Man, that's crazy. If you've, here's a, tick, here's a hard one. If you've caused suffering, raise your hand. Man, it's unanimous. If you've blamed God for your suffering, Raise your hand. Man. So here we go. Just want you to know, you weren't alone. You're not alone. There's this man uh, named Job in the Bible. And his friends had similar experiences in which they blamed and questioned God for, for suffering. So the suffering of man is all around us. We have all experienced it. And it is a real possibility that some of us 
are going through some really hard stuff right now. We as humans are in a search for some real answers to this question. We, um, I have looked for answers to some of my accidents, so to speak. My suffering that has come about through accidents. So speaking of accidents, I have some very fun stories to tell you. I know what you're thinking. How can fun stories involve suffering? Well, here you go. You can laugh at them with me. I'm a very accident-prone person. It just, it, it's, it's there. Meaning that whenever I engage in a physical activity, I usually end up hurting myself. And, you know, and this happens in various forms. And it started really early. Once, once a long time ago, my brother and I, we, we were at my parents' softball game, and we saw this huge mound of dirt. And being boys, we decided, hey, why not we just throw dirt at each other? And it was great. It was great for a time. We threw dirt towards each other. And I have this tendency, and my wife knows this, that I go into dreamland sometimes, and I unfortunately went to dreamland. And I was staring off in a distance, and I wasn't thinking... And then all of a sudden, I see this huge piece of dirt coming right from my eye. Couldn't react, just right in the face. I go to the hospital. Thankfully, all the dirt was removed, and I have clear vision, and very thankful for that. So here we go. Here's another fun instance of uh, little Mike getting in some bad trouble with going to the hospital. Here we go. So this one time, my brother and I, once again, we decided our parents are gone. My sister is babysitting us. We decide to start a wrestling match and impersonate our good friends, uh, no, our, uh, I guess, idols at the time, Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior. And we're running toward, and I'm, I'm running towards my brother, and he ducks, and I flip over, and hit the bed frame, busted wide open, head is just, my sister has to go to the hospital, and I get like so many stitches in my head, um, if, if I shaved it, all my hair off, you could see them, and they're still there, but that is all, there's so many more sufferings, and so many accidents I've gone through, and uh, you know, I lived, and I'm here, Thankfully, I haven't broken any bones, which is a great, great... So this suffering is very humorous to me now. And it's very... It's like really temporary pain in all, in all, in all seriousness. But I know some of us, many of us, have experienced suffering that goes way beyond my accidents, way beyond physical scars. And um, the scars of death is inevitable and it hurts us and um so a year ago about a year and a half ago i saw i saw my dad for the last time sorry i saw him hooked up to all these machines. And I knew that 
and he was only in a wedding gown or nightgown. And I saw him physically for the last time. I saw he was physically there, but mentally and spiritually, he was gone. So he had, um, it, was, it was crazy. He had um, made it through heart surgery. He made it through, and then he got an infection at the hospital. And this infection ended up being the result of his death. His death really hit me like it is right now. Only when I was at his, my stepmom asked me to speak at his funeral. And I knew then that I would no longer see my dad again. And I knew that right then that this heartbreak was really real. And I knew that God's heartbreak was there with me. And that was the comfort and the reassurance I needed. And so, and so we, uh, we mentioned earlier um, about this guy named Job. And uh, he was inflicted with suffering like I was afflicted that day, but very much more. In the Bible, there, Job was a righteous and blameless man. Job was tested by the devil to see if he would remain faithful to God, even if everything around him was taken away. Now, this is, this is uh, in one day, just think about this, one day, all his sheep, all his cattle, camels, and his servants were all gone, killed, done. His whole livelihood, gone. That's everything he made money for, he lived by, all done. And then, in that same afternoon, um, oh, Here's the key thing with all that. I want to get to this. Job still blessed the Lord. Even when all his money, all his stuff went away, he still blessed the Lord. Now, this same day, all his 10 children were killed by natural and human suffering. Human consequences. All of them were dead. Could you imagine that? All in one day, everything gone. Job still blessed the Lord. He still honored God. Let that sink in. Everything around him gone. And it only got worse. I know what you're thinking. How could it really get worse? Right? Well, Job was then afflicted with an infection that gave him boils on his face, all over his body, boils. That's, and then you have his wife who says, why don't you curse God and die? Why don't you curse God and die? That's what she said to him. And then Job's response is 
really good. And this is recorded in Job 2.10. It says, You speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? This is only a little glimpse of Job's story. There is so much more to this book that I can't get into, but you should definitely look it up if you are dealing with some things like this. You hear Job's complaints about, uh, against God, and you hear God's response, and it is so good. You see Job's life, and you realize that suffering comes to us all, and we all are here, we, we raise our hands, comes to us all, good and bad. It's just there. It just comes. How will you respond to suffering? And how will God respond to you? So, um, as a teenager, I had this big crush on this musician. Her name was Avril Lavigne. She had this unique punk rock pop image. You know, this is trendy. And uh, I, I had this crush on her. And uh, anyways, I had found out that she had been gone from making music for like five years. And then I randomly read that she made a worship video. And I was like, no way. This girl was like, no. It was, it's complicated, girl. And so, you know, uh, so Avril Lavigne, and I heard this song, and I knew, I knew this beautiful song had come out of a place of suffering. Apparently, she had been fighting Lyme disease and thought she was going to die. At her lowest moment, she wrote this song, crying out to God, asking him to keep her alive. She writes in her new song, God, keep my head above water. Don't let me drown. It gets harder. I'll meet you at the altar as I fall down on my knees. And this is a song. Man. And she realized what I have realized. Some of the greatest moments of, with God come when we are desperate for him to come into our lives. Some of the greatest moments with God come when we are desperate for him to come into our lives. So we have, we have looked at the suffering of man and our suffering and the hurt we go through and that we cause. But there is something so much bigger than our own heartbreak. One of the greatest essayists, English essayists in my mind, and uh, Taylor talked about him, F.W. Borm said this in his book, Crystal Pointers. For every day, summer and winter, somebody somewhere betrays the Son of Man, and it is always, always, always by a kiss that he does it. This leads us into the question posed in the very beginning. How have we made God suffer? How have I made God suffer? The heart of God suffers when we sin against him and his children and others. When we betray Jesus with our sins, it is very gentle, sometimes really subtle, enough like a kiss. As illustrated by my friend Boren, 
yet it is very blatantly disobedient as well, just like Judas. The suffering of God and our suffering on this, on this earth is a result of the sins of man. The sin of man is what brings the heart of God into brokenness and sadness. In the book of Proverbs, it, it, it illuminates this. There are six things the Lord hates. Hates. And seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devise, devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. If you cause or even think to uh, harm to your fellow brother or sister, you have already broken the heart of God. To your, you have already broken the heart of God as illuminated in Matthew 5, 21 through 26. This is what Jesus echoed throughout his whole life. We, we now come to the results of our suffering, to the results of our sin. The, the suffering of God that comes as a consequence of our sin to others is brought forth in death. The death of men breaks the very heart of God. It breaks it so, so tremendously. Jesus revealed this upon his seeing um, the heartbreak of Mary and Martha upon the death of their brother Lazarus and experienced it himself. Scripture records it in two very simple but profound words. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. The son of the living God wept because of death. We have a tendency as humans to think very lightly of our sin and assume that we can keep sinning because God will forgive us, which is true. But God takes sin so, so seriously. There needs to be a reconciliation and justice for the sins of man because God takes sin very, very, sim very seriously, very profoundly, very harshly. God wanted to reconcile man, but there had to be justice for all of sins as well. In other words, another good friend of mine, Tim Keller, says this, God is so holy, he could not ignore sin, but so loving, he has to do something about it. This is where the suffering of God culminated in the coming of Jesus to earth. The central point of Christianity, and that's which differentiates it from all, over, all other religions, is that God himself became a man and lived, for, lived the perfect life and suffered the worst death 
of the sins for the sins of man so that all humanity can return to a right relationship with God. Jesus said this in John 3:16 through 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And this is so good. I love 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved. Hallelujah for that word, saved through him. I want to return to some of these verses that we read at the beginning, which, which came from Isaiah 53. Isaiah is in the Old Testament. It's way before Jesus. It was written about 800 years before Jesus lived. There are so many verses in this chapter. It is one of my favorite chapters to read. I highly recommend reading it if you have not read it. But we're going to go through these words again. Isaiah 53.3. He was despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Here's the greatest but. But he was pierced for our, iniquity, or for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now we're going to flash forward a little bit to Luke 22. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's praying. He's talking to the Father. And he says this. And it says this. And he withdrew from them, the disciples, about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. The emotional suffering of Jesus in the garden produced an overwhelming stress. If you go to any doctor, they can explain this. The stress, the torture that was upon him resulted in blood coming down Jesus' body and face. That is the emotional suffering of sin that came upon Jesus. That is the burden that your sin, my sin, all of our sins had on Jesus. Now, we come to the physical stuff. This is the suffering of our sin has upon Jesus right before our physical torture. He is then betrayed with a kiss by a close friend in Judas. We all think of Judas as the guy that betrayed Jesus. But he was a close friend of Jesus. People forget about that. He was a disciple. 
and he betrayed, betrayed him. He was then sentenced to 39 lashes from a whip that contained glass, nails, and rocks. It is no ordinary whip. It is not the whip that you're most accustomed to seeing. It is a rock that has built in damage. 39 lashes, one, one less than physical death, according to the Romans. That was where Jesus was. And this wasn't the end of the physical suffering. As he was, sent, as he was then sentenced to die through crucifixion, and we wear crosses a lot. It has become a really big fashion tool. But the cross, the crucifixion, was a very painful death. He was nailed through both of his wrists, most people say, by two long pieces of wood that stretched out, and then a vertical piece of wood where he was nailed right through both of his ankles. It was torture to make, him, to make death last longer, to make his impending death last longer. His death was slow and painful, yet, yet heaven was on, his, was on his mind and forgiveness was upon his lips. His death was slow and painful, yet heaven was on his mind and forgiveness was upon his words. Peter Berger, a sociologist, knows that every culture must provide a way to make sense of suffering. The Bible, it provides, a, um, it provides an explanation for suffering and sin, but it do, doesn't just explain it. Thank you, Lord, for not just explaining suffering but it also gives us a solution. This sociologist says again, he, he says, through Christ, the terrible otherness of Yahweh, God of the thunderstorms in Job, is mellowed. At the same time, because the contemplation of Christ's suffering deepens the conviction of man's unworthiness, the old repentant surrender is allowed to be repeat itself once again and is more refined in a more refined manner. And now here's the big part. For Christ's suffering does not justify God, but man. Jesus, the perfect man, and God in the flesh, in humanity, took upon the sins of all mankind. He knows our suffering more than anyone, for he, being perfect man, endured himself. The ultimate consequence of our sin is separation from God, which leads to suffering. Jesus has saved us from sin and given us the ability to be reunited once again to our creator, to God. Here we go. In 1 Corinthians 15, 56 through 58, it says, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, 
always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. How good is that? The suffering servant of God was God in the flesh. For those of you here whom are, who are, whom are through suffering, whom are dealing through suffering of a breakup, suffering of your selfish choices, physical suffering, suffering through the death of other people. Jesus endured it all. He suffered a breakup of himself with his father due to sin. He took upon himself the sins of all humanity, being physically tortured to the point of death. Suffered death in the most horrendous way. He conquered it all. He conquered it all. He restored the broken to right place with God. He conquered the sins of all of man through his perfect sacrifice. He never gave in into unrighteousness, into sin. He only forgave. He conquered death. How glorious that is when he rose again three days later. So Jesus endured it, embraced it, and conquered self-suffering. How great news that is. Come on. Do you want to know how to conquer and endure suffering? There is only one real way. It is by giving and surrendering your life to the risen King of Jesus. He never promised an easy life without suffering. However, he said there will be more of it because of him. He does promise this. He does promise this. That he will be with you when you are suffering. He will be with you. He is with you right now. Through suffering, we see his glory. We see Jesus' glory ever more and ever present in our lives. When pain and suffering come, will we give up? 